1: She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework.
0: Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I need to make some changes in my business, but I'm just scared and I don't know what's going to happen if I make those changes. What's going to happen with my clients? What's going to happen to my self-confidence? Well, Julia Woods is no stranger to change. She's no stranger to transformation. And my conversation with her today is all about believe in yourself before you can believe in yourself and transformation in all of its forms, business, life, everything. Can't wait for you to hear it. All right, I am. I'm so excited to have one of my favorite people, somebody that I admire so much that has helped me so much through the years, Julia Woods with us today. And Julia is formerly a portrait photographer from Washington, Illinois, and she and her husband, Jeffrey Woods, ran a very successful portrait studio for 20 years. They built an amazing portrait business, and the reason why I wanted to talk to Julia today is because she kind of has been through all the things. She's been started out very humble beginnings, not priced right, doubting herself, made some huge changes, some huge leaps in her business. She did it scared. She did it not knowing the end beforehand and built a business on her own terms. She was able to homeschool her children really actually in their studio. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I just want to talk with her today about that journey. And then what Julia is doing now is she's an amazing life coach. And she's going to talk a little bit about that as well. But welcome, Julia. I'm so grateful that you're here today.
2: Thank you, Allison. I'm honored to have this conversation with you and continue journeying through our bringing about our
0: dreams in life together. I love it. And we've had lots and lots and lots of those conversations. So we have. So tell our listeners, just give the a little snapshot of when you and Jeff decided to start your business right in the beginning, you started portraits. What did that look like? Give me the rundown on that. <laughs> All right.
2: We were living in a mobile home, had our first daughter and dirt poor. I think Jeff was, I had decided to be a stay-at-home mom. Jeff was making $400 a week at a local hospital And a photographer in our church came to us and said, Hey, have you ever had any interest in being wedding photographers? And we were like, well, that sounds like the coolest job in the world. And so he began sending us weddings. We got our first deposit check of $500. I think we charged $800 for the whole wedding. We got our first deposit check of like four or $500. We literally skipped back from the mailbox. We thought, We were the richest people in the world because someone had paid us an entire week's salary for zero work yet, and we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah, (laughs) and so it begins. And so it begins. That was our beginning (laughs) career into the world of photography.
0: And so fast forward, you do that business. You kind of, if I remember correctly, you kind of took on the business that that gentleman, his business model, kind of how he had told you, this is how the business works. This is how you're going to do it. So fast forward when you weren't skipping away from the mailbox so much anymore. (laughs) Okay. When when did the skipping
2: stop? (laughs) Skipping stopped pretty quick (laughs) when I hit the pavement. (laughs) I think I was three kids in and working 70 to 80 hours a week. We were literally doing 50 weddings a year and about 100 portrait sessions a year and making no money. I was like, what in the heck? By that time, Jeff really wanted to quit his job and we just couldn't figure out why
0: there was no money left at the end of paying the bills. And you're working, but you're working like a dog. If you're doing weddings a year and 100 sessions, 100 portrait sessions, that's like, you're never not working.
2: I was like, take me back to the mobile home $400 a yeah. week. <laughs> at least I had a few hours to myself. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was a hard reality of. Just to see so much wasn't working, but we really were struggling to figure out what wasn't working. We just knew a lot wasn't working, but we had a hard time figuring out what wasn't working because we naturally wanted to make it out about us, right? I think as photographers, when you're putting your heart and soul into your work, it easily becomes about the ego and there's something bad, broken or wrong with me. I'm just not <laughs> a talented enough. That's what's not working. Mm. So we stayed in that conversation in our minds for so long that it wasn't only that we, we were working so many hours. We also were just beat down mentally of just feeling so
0: bad, broken or wrong with just who we were. So In your mind, then at that point, it was if we were just better photographers that somehow we thought if
2: our skills improved, if we could take better photographs, people would pay us more. Like all of a sudden they were just going to be like, oh, you're worth more. We'll pay you more than your price list says we're (laughs) supposed to pay
0: like duh. (laughs) Versus you actually charging more. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. What was the catalyst? When did it change? What changed? You know, what was the catalyst that changed for you?
2: Well, the biggest thing that changed was we started getting education. We stopped looking to our mentor as the source for everything and started looking beyond that one mentor, which he was awesome. And it worked for him for some different reasons that we didn't realize a few. This is the
0: photographer that had roped you into this business, right? Okay. Yeah.
2: So we started going beyond him and... You know, Jeff wound up going to a seminar that wound up going to one of the trade shows, getting connected to a lab. And the lab had a service where they had representatives that would come and connect with you individually as a studio to kind of look at what you were doing and give you some advice. So we connected with this mentor. Her name was Bonnie. It was through Burrell Color Lab. And she saw the stress I was under, and she was like, "Girlfriend, let me help you out." Yeah, <laughs> she goes, "You're doing You're, it wrong. Problem is not your photography. You have no clue how to run a business." I was like what have you seen our books look at all the business I'm kidding <laughs> and she's like you literally have no idea how to run a business so I'm gonna encourage you go spend some time with Anne monteith <laughs> and so I went to my first seminar at Sandy putch's studio in Colorado Anne was teaching it and oh my goodness I literally almost had a nervous breakdown in this four day (laughs) seminar, I started crying on day two and I could not stop crying until it was over. And when I left, I literally walked out in a huff, left my jacket on the chair and I was done. I was done being a photographer. I was absolutely done. And of course, I had to go back in and get my jacket and had a little special meeting with Anne. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Like, you have the power to do all this stuff. And I'm like, you don't understand my husband. Like, he is not going to agree with me changing my prices. And she, it was so special. She was like, look, do what I've asked you to do. Go home and have the conversations. And in a year, let's see where you're at. And if your husband's still the problem, then he can come to this seminar and we'll talk to him. And so I went home. And the first thing I did was I refused to sell anything that wasn't profitable again. Because what I learned at the seminar was I was at a negative 6% profit. So I was working my tail off and losing six cents to every dollar I was taking in. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I drew a line in the sand. I said, I'm going to give myself six months. If I cannot turn this business around in six months and make profit, I'm I'm no longer going to do this. And with that commitment to be all in, there was nothing to lose. I was going to lose the business in six months if I didn't give it everything I had. By putting myself all in, I made some very drastic changes, no complaints from clients whatsoever. And within six months, my business was extremely profitable. And it began to massively climb from there.
0: Before you went to this awakening slash nervous breakdown, That you probably paid to go to, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So really, that realization was that you were just taking money from your clients and giving it to your vendors. Like there wasn't anything really coming through that for you and Jeff. Exactly. What was it that just made you want to walk out and a half? Was it just like, I can't believe I've spent this much time and I'm not making money? Or were you mad at like, was it like when you get diagnosed with the illness and you're mad at the doctor for telling you like what, you know, what was that? Well, it was a couple of things, but the biggest thing is I was going to
2: need to come face to face with my own beliefs about myself. If I was Mm. going to make this happen, I was going to need to be wrong about what I believe to be true about myself. Which was what? I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy. I wasn't valuable.
0: So that's what you were thinking.
2: That's what I believed. I didn't know. I believed that about myself. Okay. But that was the war, right? So if I'm going to charge these people, what I need to charge to make money, that means I'm believing in my value and worth. Mm. And that was something that had been beaten to me as a child is I had no value or worth. And so I was at war with deciding to shift my beliefs about myself. And I was able to get to the point of saying, you know what, my time, here's what helped me shift. My children are valuable and worthy.
0: Mm.
2: And why do my conversations with you always make me cry, Alice? I know, I know. (laughs) So I was able to realize my children were valuable and worthy. And if I was going to give up this many hours a week, I couldn't see looking them in the eyes and telling them, I have no time for you because I'm making no money. Right. (laughs) And so that was the power I needed to shift and say, okay, they're worthy of my time and investment. And if I can't make this business do something that can make me money, they deserve me to go get a job. Where I can actually make money and have more time for them. And in years to come, I would change my beliefs about myself, but I wasn't quite ready (laughs) at that point. I needed it, it was my children who helped me overcome and go over that bridge to shifting.
0: But I don't think you're alone. I think that because of what we do, it is so tied up. You know, it's your art, it's so much more personal than, you know, when I had my scrapbooking store, it was like you buy this pack of stickers for a dollar and you sell it for $2. Like there's no existential angst attached to that. It's just like, this is the suggested retail pay it or don't. Right. But when it's from concept to everything is so tied up with you. And I like what you said that you said that it was the ego. And I think when you maybe first said that somebody listening to this might think, oh, they thought they were so great. Or it was like, no, it was actually the opposite. You didn't think that you were worth it. And really, it doesn't matter your worth is not up for grabs. You know, the human being's worth is inestimable. It's infinite. Yes. But the worth, what, what we're selling is not your personal worth. It, you're selling what, what is the worth of that service to the client? How, how does the client value that? And we put ourselves in that mix. Like we stick ourselves in there and go, okay, I'm worth this. It's like, if that's not really, it's not really actually about you. It's about what you're doing for the client and what they value. Right. So two significant
2: things like, yes, we naturally as artists make it about us, but Mm -hmm. it really isn't. So that's more true than it's about us. And the ego, the way I describe the ego is the ego is the thermostat that helps me stay in my current beliefs. So my beliefs were I'm not valuable and worthy. I was trying to prove I was valuable and worthy through what I did, which kept getting in the way because it wasn't about me. But every time I needed to raise my prices or whatever, then it was going to be about me. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to bruise my ego and change the setting on the thermostat. It was going to require I change my beliefs about myself. Therefore, my ego was going to keep blocking me, trying to get me back to what was comfortable about my beliefs. Making true what you thought about yourself. Yes. So my business was calling me up to shift my beliefs about myself, which meant I was going to keep running into my ego. And thankfully I learned how to bruise it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it often takes a catalyst like that. It takes something that takes you down to the studs, you know, so to speak, because usually you can, we can bathe in the warm water for a really long time and kind of like ignore things. But when you're faced with like math, you know, like math and physics don't give a crap about your feelings. It's just, you are six, negative 6%, not making money. Like that is a fact.
2: Numbers is the only thing that doesn't lie. That's yeah. why they are vital to a business. Yes. Yeah. It's the only concrete truth that we get to keep coming up against that brings us to be willing to bruise our ego and shift our beliefs about ourselves.
0: Okay. So I want to keep going on this journey. So it's six months in You came home, you changed your prices, which I I would imagine if you were negative 6%, you had to do some serious math. You had to probably double your prices. You had to change, but you didn't just change your prices. It wasn't, I can't imagine that you just came home and said, okay, our weddings that were once 800 are now 3,500 or whatever, take it or leave it. Didn't there have to be some kind of infrastructure or way of speaking about that with your clients to not just allow you to say it to your, well at least for me, I feel like whenever I make a big change like that, I have to know in my mind, like, okay, this is worth it. And I'm not willing to do it for anything less. So that's like the very bottom. And then now, how am I going to present this to my client in a way that is like, doesn't sound like the guacamole is 250 extra, you know?
2: (laughs) Yes. So it was a lot of things. One, I decided that as a mom, I was no longer willing to make my kids sacrifice so much. And I also decided to give myself permission to be who I wanted to be. The photographer who was our mentor, you literally picked up your wedding proofs in a box in his mailbox at his studio door. Hmm. So I had learned a model that was very run people through your business. But I realized that, that that was inauthentic to who I was as a person because who I was as a person loved spending time with my clients, getting to know them you know, the whole kumbaya is much yeah. more my personality.
0: Well, more high touch too. Like you wanted the time with them. You wanted to dream and scheme about their wedding and how it was going to be special in every detail and with the portrait sessions as well. Right. To Jeff and I experiencing a fabulous hotel was like a major
2: dream where the photographer who had been our mentor was like, that's the dumbest thing. Why would you ever spend money on an expensive hotel? Right. Mm -hmm. So began to come into authenticity as to who I was and give myself permission to be me rather than who I thought I was supposed to be. And so began to shift my experience. So I went to, yes, I changed every price. Nothing was on my price list that wasn't profitable. And so that was going to be a gradual change because I was dealing with clients. I had attracted clients who were really more lower investment, do it themselves And I was looking to move to a price list that needed to attract clients who wanted a service. And so there was a gradual transition in my price list. You could buy the product with no service as far as no retouching, no mounting, no spraying, none of that. Mm -hmm. But it was more expensive than it had been before. And you could also buy the service. I had three tiers. So it was easy for me to sell to the middle right away. And I also went to projection. I started recognizing that I What happened up until that time is people would pay a $200 deposit, pick up their folio with eight images in it and about 25 more behind it. And that $200 deposit was a quote unquote understanding that they would come back in two weeks and place an order. But what we knew, what the quote unquote understanding was, is if they never came back, no big deal. Right. Right. So they had paid their $150 session fee. They'd paid their $200 for their folio. And we were kind of good to go. And I hoped that they would come back and place an order, but then I would get resentful because they'd never come back and place an order.
0: Right, because you didn't set it up for them to ever really do that. So so your mentor, the guy that ran this business, he was just running a numbers game. He was just running a volume, like get them in, get them out. You know, if they don't buy, we're at least 350, we're good. Exactly, Yeah. exactly. Which is like knowing you, it's hilarious that that, you couldn't be further from that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, I never grew up having
2: portraits. That was my only experience with photographer. And to me, in our community, he was the bee's knees. Like he was the photographer. And so, you know, Jeff and I had longed for him to photograph our wedding, but we couldn't afford him, <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, to us, we weren't going to go against anything he had set up. Sure. And so I began to decide, okay, I want to do projection. When I went to Sandy Putsch's studio in Colorado, it's the first I'd ever heard projection existed. Right. And yeah. so there's a long story about how I got the money to transition into projection, but I started inviting people to sit down with me when they came to pick up their folio And I would show them, because everything was film-based at that time, so I would put it on a thing that would project up. Like an overhead projector. Yes, basically. And so, yeah, began to change the service to recommending wall portraits, letting them see what their wall portraits could look like. And I went from assuming they'll buy nothing to assuming this is about a wall portrait. And that assumption shifted so much for me and my clients, and I was blown away. I went from a three hundred and fifty dollars sale to a thousand dollars sale overnight. Average,
0: average. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. Well, and I think that's really interesting. I want to call that out there because it is just that idea of the expectation. It's that really what you did is you took "quote unquote" industry standard best practice, and there's a lot of that going on right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, X number of digital files for X number of dollars or whatever. Yeah. That is the way, quote unquote, the business is done. And you said, actually, I don't, well, you came up against math. And then you said, my kids are worth more. I don't want to spend time with other people's kids and not spend time with my kids. And pay for the privilege. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you wanted to do it differently. And, but what it sounds to me like what you did is you said, what do I think my clients should have? What is the highest and best use of my talent and all the time that I'm putting into this. And then you started talking about it in that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might not have been so pretty or eloquent. Sure. <laughs> I think in my mind, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> if I'm going to charge $500 for a wall portrait, how could it even become close to
0: being worth it? Okay. That? <laughs> so that's very interesting because I say that too, like rather than just saying, how am I going to charge more for it? How do you make it? What the more interesting conversation is how do you make it worth more? Yes. And so, so that's true too, because if you're thinking, okay, look, my prices do have to go up. Well, you can't, I don't think that just happens in isolation. There has to be a commensurate value come up you know, with that.
2: Yes. And one of the things that also was very instrumental for me is I thought about my client's pain point. So I was small town America, Washington, Illinois, 8,000 people. And I would see them in the grocery store, you know, and I would see them out at restaurants. And every time they'd see me, I'd feel their guilt and shame. And they would literally communicate about it. They're like, oh, I've not gotten in touch with you I really like my pictures, but I can't figure out which ones I like, which ones I want to order. Okay. So I stepped into their pain. Like, if I'm going to make this valuable and worthy, what is it they really want and need? And I realized what they wanted and needed was guidance. It wasn't their job to figure out what they wanted. Cause they don't know. They don't know. And they were really struggling to do it. So that's where I decided ah, they seem to, you know, we have a really good rapport. If I'm the professional, Would they believe what I tell them is what they need? And that began to be my inroad into, okay, that's how I can convince myself it's okay to charge more. And that's how I can convince them to come along with this new process I'm going to take them into. And that's what I did. As soon as I never did another pickup the way I had before, I literally called every client who had a folio waiting and he just said, Hey, Jeff and I have talked a lot and we are taking our business to a whole new level of customer service. We want to support you and help you in your process. So what I'm gonna do is set up a 30-minute appointment to meet with you and actually go through your images and show you what you can do with your images. What time and what day can we set up your 30-minute appointment? No client refused. Every client said yes. And it immediately launched me into doing in-person sales
0: and my clients loving it. So I think that's fascinating because what's the first thing that everybody says when you think, oh, I need to raise my prices or change the way I'm doing business. The first thing I think most people think are I'm going to lose all my clients. Right. Okay. And so you found that not only did that not happen. My
2: clients were happier right. and they were spending three times as much money.
0: And happier to
2: do it. So much happier. My marketing improved because they were now, there was now things hanging in their home that they could talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, a
0: well, and probably the price resistance that you were getting, you know, if you got price resistance on that lesser way of doing things is that when you're left to do it on your own, all you know, to look at is like, well, how much is this going to cost me? You're not You don't have somebody guiding you and saying, you could do this, you could do this. This would solve all these problems. You could do this family gallery. You could, this would take up an entire wall in your home and solve this decorating problem above your fireplace or whatever. It's a completely different service. And so you're willing to pay more for that because it's actually worth more. Whereas like, here's your files. What's your hurry? Here's your proofs. That's not special. It's not, and and it's leaving it all up to them still. Right, and an interesting story that I think
2: might be helpful for the listeners at this point is fast forward eight years and I was known as the wall portrait studio. Everybody knew you came to me because you wanted wall art. And we had a massive tornado that took out a thousand homes in our town. And within hours of the tornado, I was getting calls from my clients of, hey, can you call my wife down and let her know you can replace our wall portrait and things like that. So one client, interestingly enough, she said, you know, it's interesting. I've done a lot of sessions through the years with different photographers. I came to you in the special moments. I came to you when my child was one. I came to you when we wanted the big family wall portrait. She goes, I went to a lot of other photographers for the in-between things and I got digital files. My computer was blown away in the tornado. She said, I've not thought one time about going to any of those photographers and getting my images back that I lost in the tornado. The only one that I wanted to get back, the only ones I wanted to get back were yours. She said, because they were a part of our home.
0: Yeah, She said they
2: were a part of our daily lives and we want our daily life back.
0: Mm, That's so good. And so that, that probably just changed even the way you talked about it too.
2: Well, yeah, it was just like, yep, that's why I do what I do. This has nothing to do with my value and worth. It's about my clients and what makes their home, their home, what allows them to see what they love and cherish every day and engage with it in a way that when it's gone, they can't live without it. I love that. That's so
0: good. Well, and also I think I love Julia is how you didn't wait to become a fully evolved. I believe in myself worth person before you did this, you know, you, you didn't wait until I think so many things hold us back, right? Our confidence, uh, lack of belief in ourselves, whatever. And kids have a funny way of, you know, propelling us forward and making us do things that we wouldn't, we would do for them, what we wouldn't do for ourselves. But I think it's interesting that you took that leap and said, I'm doing this, this I'm, I'm gonna move forward. So tell me about that when it comes to, okay, I'm charging more, I want to attract quote unquote better clients. What did that look like? Did your existing clients become better clients themselves? Like, so you didn't just get rid of all your old clients. You just changed the way you were doing and allowed them to come along with you if they wanted to.
2: Yes. And I would say it was and with Mm -hmm. my current clients became better clients because before I gave them nothing to talk about. Now that they had a service, they had something to talk about. They wanted to tell people about this great experience they just had. They wanted to talk about the wall portraits on the wall, right? Mm -hmm. So now I was being talked about. And so that changed because, so twofold. So one, they became better clients because they were getting a better service. They valued me more. They saw the pricing worth it. They trusted my opinion. They wanted what I wanted them to have. They wanted what I told them they needed. And because they now had something to talk about, I was getting more clients coming in with the expectation that Julia is going to walk you through this service. Mm -hmm. So the service began to become the expectation and they became my marketers for me, which attracted better clients. And it literally was a snowball. I went from... A three hundred fifty dollars sales average to a thousand dollars sale average literally overnight, and it became so exciting. Like I couldn't believe that that was possible for me. Like I was that type of person who believed, "Oh, that works for other people, and yes. never it doesn't work for me." You don't get it. I live in a small town. Yeah, like people here don't spend that much on portraits. I had all those. My clients would on. never exactly. Yeah. and so. Boom, all that became wrong overnight. And I was like, well, if that's wrong and this is producing these kinds of results, what else is possible? Mm-hmm. And it just gave me an energy and a courage and a commitment to just test what else is possible. Let me test all the limits, right? Mm-hmm. And because now I was more expensive than my mentor. And I was, to my knowledge, the most expensive photographer in town. And that was the seat I kept holding myself back from is I can't be more expensive than my mentor. Like nobody will want me over him because his images are way better. Right. But now I was the most expensive photographer in town and it was working. And I was like, whoa, what else is possible? And so every year I just kept increasing my goal, my sales average goal. And I kept increasing the level of my product and I I had more money to get education. So I began, Jeff and I began to look outside of the industry as how are other industries doing this and how are they attracting, how is this boutique attracting somebody who will spend $300 on a pair of jeans when they could go to Target and get them for 30. Mm -hmm. And we began to expand our mindset and our beliefs of what was possible and how was it possible and I was beyond shocked that within three years, my sales average went to a $5,000 sales average from a $350 sales average. And I really felt unstoppable in what was possible. And so we just never, it took the limits out. Once we, once we saw that something was possible that we thought was impossible, now there was no longer impossibilities.
0: And so what do you think, because you've mentored, you've done a lot of teaching through the years and you've talked to a lot of photographers What do you feel like is the biggest thing? Is there any, like, could you put it to one thing or what is the biggest thing holding people back? (laughs) Why I'm a transformational coach. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because what holds
2: any of us back from the results we want is us. It's simply our beliefs about ourselves and a fixed mindset is our biggest problem. We don't realize we have a fixed mindset. And so it's the lack of curiosity was my problem. I believed it was wrong to be more expensive than our mentor. I believed it was a slap in his face. I believed it was wrong to be the most expensive photographer in town when we'd only been in business a third of the time of those other photographers, right? Because
0: who do you think you are?
2: There we go. That was one of my father's favorite lines. (laughs) Who do you think you are? (laughs) Yep, (laughs) so so as long as those things were statements, right? It's wrong to do this. It's arrogant to do that, right? Those were all statements. And because I was, and once I shifted to questions, like what if I just priced for profit? What if I began to offer a service? What if I try this on for six months? What if I try this product that's never been seen in the photography industry before? the willingness to ask what if, what could be, what if I just try it on? What if I just see what happens? I moved from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And that was the catalyst. The concrete of the hard facts of the numbers brought me to recognize I was going to die in my fixed mindset. And if I wasn't willing to grow, there was no photography in the future. And it took me into a a growth mindset and a growth mindset began to open up possibilities and bring about the business I actually longed for, but never dreamed it was possible.
0: Well, and so much more fun. Oh my gosh. So much more fun, so much more fun. but, but more fun. still, but not, not unscary. I don't think you ever, I mean, at least, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've gotten to the point where when I make a change in my business, I don't think long and hard about it because you like us, You guys are 100% of your income was coming from the portrait work, you know, so same thing. So you can't just like, oh, well, you know what, tomorrow, I'm just going to completely change everything. You had to think about how am I going to talk about this? How am I going to? Yeah,
2: because every new, you know, once we have a growth mindset, then you come into your new comfort zone, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. these things are true and we don't realize that our ego wants us to get back to a fixed mindset with those new beliefs. Yeah. And so the next decision I'm going to make requires a growth mindset which means I change the degree on the thermostat again. I'm going to need to bruise my ego again in order to be willing to shift or be wrong about what I currently believe is true, right? Well, I believe $3000 average is the most that will ever be possible mm-hmm. in this town because no one's ever done that before. Well, there's my fixed mindset. If I want to stay at $3000, keep comfortable in what I'm doing. But if I want to see if $4,000 is possible, I'm going to need to bruise my ego and try something new. So every single new decision I make is going to bring me up against the current thermostat setting of my ego. Yeah.
0: Well, and I can imagine just knowing you the little that I do that there was a lot of, I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but maybe. I mean, I think you had to do a lot of this stuff scared and not totally feeling like, you know, oh, okay. And now I'm an expert and you're going to come in here. And, you know, I remember you telling me a story about your, when you had your projector and how you'd like hold it and you'd like walk back to make it bigger, you know, and you just, you got scrappy and you did it, but you, inside your mind, you had to be, you weren't ever rolling out like, yeah, and I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread and just hand me the money. There was always still that scared little girl inside, hearing maybe your dad's voice or whoever for somebody else. It might be somebody else. Who do you think you are? Yeah. But yet, what was the thing that made you not listen to that voice? Like, what? Because again, like, how do you do it when you're not a fully formed, fully evolved, whatever? Like, how do you do it when you still have those voices in your head? You know,
2: as a transformational coach, one of the things that comes up for a lot of my clients is the fraud message I'm a fraud, Mm -hmm. right? That message has really never rung true for me. Somehow in my mind, I knew that anyone who does anything great had no idea what they were doing when they started. And so there's something that I encourage people to consider is to really investigate that message. Because... There's nothing new you're going to do that doesn't require you do it, not knowing how to do it. Mm. And one of the things my father made so much fun of me when I was a kid, because I was, I think six years old, wanted to go to a friend's birthday party. I think I was nine and it was a bowling party. And he goes, you don't even know how to bowl. I'm like, you know what? I don't know how to bowl, but I think as long as I can figure out which hand to use, I'll figure it out. And so that's all I needed to know. Just tell me which hand to use. And that's really my mentality in life. Like if I can just figure out the one next thing I need to do, the rest will start to come. And so it's that willingness to just be resourceful and say, I don't need to know every step. I just need to know the first step. And if I can face that one step, then I'll face the next step. Then I'll face the next step. And the courage to try something new is a far bigger Inspiration to clients that the people around us, then sitting waiting in our fear to say, "I got to know the next five steps." Right? right? If you make a mistake, if you fall on your face in the first step, there's so much grace from people. Like nobody sure. waiting to tear you down, like the fraud message tells you. Yes, it's simply wow. Hey, own it. Like you know what? <laughs> I'm doing this for the first time, and thank you for your grace. I recognize that didn't work. Let me do it again. And people are ready to have all the grace for that in the world.
0: Right. And you're willing to have that for somebody else, but we just don't have it very much for ourselves. I remember, um, I don't know if you've read that book, Positive Intelligence. Have you ever read that? No. There's an exercise in that book where he talks about, it's interesting that you'd say six-year-old because he says, get a picture of yourself as a six-year-old. And put it like on your mirror and think about how you would talk to a six year old mm-hmm. that was trying something for the very first time. You would never say, Well, you're an idiot. Like, why would you do that? Why would you do it that way? You would never speak to your child in that way or a child of that age. You would be encouraging and like, It's okay. You know, you try it, Let's see what happens, have fun. You know, all of those things that you would say to a child, but to ourselves, we tend to be so critical and the, the stakes are so irretrievably high, you know, when really it's like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah.
2: And that's the part of bruising the ego. Cause those messages that you're sharing, those are the ego messages,
0: right? fragile, The fragility.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. It's all going to fall apart. Right. Because of this one new thing I'm trying. And so it's the willingness to turn that into a question. What is the worst that could happen? Yeah. If I can accept the worst that could happen, I can go forward from there. Right. So yeah we often just fantasize the worst that could happen is I lose all of my business. But no, maybe I need to give a client a free session or a $200 gift certificate because- I screwed up or something. Right, exactly. Like our worst from our ego is way bigger than it actually ever will be.
0: So I love that. That's so, that's just like pure gold. Let's end on the idea of like, seeing as believing versus believing is seeing like that, just that kind of that thought of how do you have, like you said in the beginning, oh sure, that works for so-and-so, but that couldn't work for me. So the people that are out there that are thinking, feeling discouraged, feeling down, feeling like there's just, this works for other people that have moxie or overcome or whatever. And I'm just not that person or I don't live in that market or whatever, like what encouragement would you have as a transformational coach that you would have like for your clients?
2: So I think it's powerful, the concept of the shift that you made from believing is seeing to seeing is believing. And I think that's a very significant piece because of how our body is wired and how much we need courage and faith and passion and commitment and what actually turns those on. Like those are knobs within us. So how do we turn them on? So when we sit in the mindset of seeing is believing or believing is seeing, right? What I'm waiting is the results to show up and then I'll believe.
0: Yeah, seeing is believing, yeah. Right? When I see it, I'll believe it. Right, Yeah. but that
2: keeps the knobs of courage, passion, commitment, drive, creativity, those
0: knobs stay at zero. Yeah. And so I'll never see it. And it's but it's on. That's a very comfortable place to be too. And in fact, you're making all of your things. It's not only comfortable. It's like you can solidify yourself there because you can say, "See, told, exactly. Gonna told you exactly wasn't going to work." I get to be.
2: I get, get to, to, be, to be, right. be right.
0: Yeah, I get to be right, which is the ego's biggest desire.
2: So if I shift it to believing is seeing, what happens is I begin to actually see the future in my mind. So, for example. I began to see a future with me having time to play games with my kids, having time to read them a story, having time to go on a date. And that began to turn the knobs of passion, excitement, drive, creativity. It began to turn those dials up. So all of a sudden I had resource to begin to bring about a vision that I could see that allowed me to believe in the vision. And so it's very important to begin to vision. What's the difference this change would make for you? Like let yourself be in it. Imagine if you could get a thousand dollar sale or imagine if you could get a $3,000 sale or imagine if you could work 30 hours versus 60, Mm -hmm. like Put yourself in those places of what's the outcome you want. And all of a sudden, the outcome becomes bigger than the fear. All of a sudden, you have a new ability to risk because you understand that the risk is going to be worth it. But when you're waiting to
0: receive the results, you'll never find the power to take the risk. So true. And if you're going to solidify and be right about something, why not try to prove what you really want to have happen. So like for you guys, it was, you know, I remember when we came to your studio, you had all these little kids, you know, you had that jungle gym room and the homeschool room. And so you were running your business, but your kids were there and in it with you. And now not everybody would want to do it that way. With my seven, there's no way I could have, I would have killed myself, but, and them, but, but that works great. And you were able to travel with them and you created a life that was just, not perfect. Nobody's is perfect, but you created a life, a business on your own terms that if somebody had told you that a month in to the $800 wedding, you would have that could because you'd never seen that before. And so I think that's, what's interesting to me is that very often we have to, Oh, I see that somebody else has done that. I want to go do that. And really, I find that in my own life, the best things that I've brought about are things that I haven't seen. There are things that I dreamed about, but like, well, nobody's doing that. Well, but what if I did? Yes. And I remember the very first time that we did a workshop with you guys. I I remember the one-on-one time. I like burst into tears, and I'm like, I'm just afraid it's all gonna go away. It's just a fluke. <laughs> like, some at some point, somebody's gonna be like, Oh, hold on a minute. No, I'm never paying you to do that again. Like, what was I thinking? Like, I. Like the jig is up, it's over, you're a fake word in. And you were so tired, you were so exhausted because you'd probably listen to like, you know, 20 photographers complaining. And you just I remember you just like wiped your hands over your eyes and you're like, Allison, it's not a fluke. You're gonna be great, you know? And really that that kind of like your belief in me at that moment, and you've always been such a champion that was just exactly what I needed. So I think that's valid too, right? We can't always be our own cheerleader. We have to find the people in our lives that that love us and that can see something in us that maybe we can't see at the time and yes. that can help us. We know what we want, sort of, but maybe somebody can from the outside can look and say, you know, Allison or Julia, you, you have this. I can totally see this for you and yeah. that you hang on to that in dark nights, you know, and so- yeah. You have always been that for me. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because I wanted more people to have the Julia Woods experience. (laughs) And I can only imagine how amazing the transformations that you've had for your clients because I know just the little that we've had together, you've just done great things for me. So I appreciate you so much.
2: Thank you, Alison. And it was exciting. I, I do remember looking at your stuff being like, my gosh, this girl has got this and why can she not see that for herself? And then wasn't it like a week, a week after you left, I got the
0: email that's like, I just had my first $5,000 sale. <laughs> I'm like, see, I told yeah. you. <laughs> well, I know, but I went I went home and I realized I had the moment that you did where I went home and I looked at my pricing and I'm like, there is no way that I can, like, it, it, like literally bold letters on the wall. There is no way I can charge this. There's no way that anybody will pay it. My mentor, the guy in my market who was the guy wasn't charging that much. I mean, it was all of those exact same things, but from a different perspective. And I remember you saying, but you did help me because you gave me a way to say, okay, if you don't feel like you can charge the full boat, then maybe you just don't do all the service. Like you don't do eye enhancements or, you know, there were a lot of things like don't do it in the sexy packaging or whatever, you know, just kind of take it back a little bit, but it still has to be profitable or else you won't be in business. Mm -hmm. And so that, I kept thinking of that. And I did that. That was over Memorial day weekend. I remember 2006, Claire Isabel. And I, I literally had stomach things. Like I had basically diarrhea for three days. And, I, <laughs> and then I did my next appointment. I did it. And it was not, it wasn't like, I wasn't going, okay, now the prices have changed and now it's this and whatever. It was just like, here's the thing. Here's how we should do it. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. And there wasn't, it was just like, yeah, okay, great. That's what you're doing. Cause we're not going into the attorney's office going, well, I don't know who you think you are, but this language here between subsection A and paragraph B is a little sketchy. I'm only paying 75 bucks for that. You know, (laughs) you just don't do it. They just ask it and you have an expert and you, it's just the done thing. So You provided a vision for many, many in the industry for many years. And i so excited, so appreciative that you're here. Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know to wrap it up with?
2: Yeah, I just think I'm a living testament. You're a living testament of the common human voices we have in our head. And I just want to encourage people, you're not alone. The stories you tell yourself, they're probably most people tell themselves those same stories. So would you just consider that they're not your messages, they're just human messages and you can overcome them. You can shift those messages and build the business that you long to build. If you're willing to simply take one step, one step at a time and follow your heart, follow your vision of what would make this, you know, when you want to make that change, what's the outcome you're going to have? Uh, what will that outcome actually be like? And Go for it. If it doesn't work, no problem. You can shift it. The change you're making doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all. You can try it for a month,
0: and if it doesn't work, do something different. So true. And I think the beauty of that is that because those are all human messages, and we have common things, but we are still so unique that when you fully step into who you truly are, you're not like anybody else. So you yes. you go from being oh, I should do it like Julia, or I should do it like Allison, or I should do it like Tim Walden, or whoever. And you actually become the fullest version of who we are is unique because nobody like us. And that's the most fun. That's the most exciting because then you're like, it's not hard to sell because you're like, I don't have to pretend to be anybody else. I don't have to talk like anybody else. I can just talk like me. You know, I can talk, be snarky, sarcastic funny and blunt, and you can get in with your airy fairy, like kumbaya, let's all sit in my lap and let me braid your hair while I tell you how great you are, you know? I mean, so it's, that's the, that's the beauty of it is, is not setting it aside because it's not possible to set it aside, but just Reckoning with it, wrestling with it, and being able to step forward and find new ways to to deal with it, and that that's as much the art as the photography. Absolutely, and that's what
2: happens in a growth mindset. When you shift and you start taking one step, you begin to come into authenticity with yourself, and your uniquenesses begin to shine, and you become something that you never thought possible because you become more your authentic self, and that worth yeah. investing in.
0: Well, and just looking at you, I think it takes you on a journey that you never, like, you actually don't know where you're going to end up. But one thing's for sure, if you stay in that fixed mindset and you that need for certainty, which I think, oh my gosh, like is, has that not been 2020? The whole world has need for certainty. That's where, why we are where we are. Right. (laughs) Is if we can let that go and just at least step into one at a time, then wow, the sky's the limit. you know, for not just your business, but your life and your relationships. Yes. Speaking of which, where can our listeners find you?
2: Best place to connect with me is on Instagram, beautiful underscore outcome and direct message me, send me whatever questions you have. They'll find access in my bio there to some different things that I offer as free resources. I'm passionate about helping couples develop the marriage that they long for, learn to communicate, in a way that develops the relationship that they long for. So lots of free resources there. And that's what came out of Jeff and I working together for 20 years is wow. Well. I think if people knew how to communicate, they could accomplish anything they wanted. And so that's where my passion began to take me was just helping people learn to communicate and experience
0: the depth of love that's possible within a marriage. I love that. And just, we probably should just as a backup segue to that was that Julia sold her business five years ago, seven, seven years ago, because her business became so successful that she was able to purchase the building that they had their studio in. And then seven years ago, she sold the business and then just recently sold the building. And so is was able to go now on this next journey of her life, uh, her next act as a transformational coach and relationship coach. And then you and Jeff are just getting ready to do something really exciting. (laughs) So you're selling all your worldly possessions and moving into an Airstream. Yes.
2: Exciting and crazy. The next step of our adventure is that we're going to live full-time in an Airstream and travel and figure out where we want to locate ourselves permanently. So yeah, I'm telling you, my business was my life. And a big thing that shifted was when I began to choose my life. My business just began to fund my life. And so life is short and I think it's important to live it adventurous. And um, I'm not a huge fan of the typical American dream of, you know, the white picket fence and all that. So I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. And so we're- I love that.
0: You're you're just a hippie at heart. I think I might be. You're a little I bit be. of a hippie. Are. I'm a picket fence lover. <laughs> um, and so, but you know what? That's okay because we all have- it's building businesses that fund our dreams and exactly. and create dreams for our clients. And those things fund our dreams. So it's all good. So yep. thank you so much. We'll link to all that info in the show notes uh, for Julia so that you can contact her if you want to learn to communicate better in your relationships. She's none better than her. So thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. Thank you, Allison, for having me and thank you for
2: listening.